From 12 News, your local election headquarters, this is Newsmakers. Tensions flared in the first debate between Republican congressional candidate Alan Fung and Democratic challenger Seth Magaziner. Seth, yeah. all right, no, let's, we're going to go. Fun, we're gonna move, let's we're going line, to please. move on. From the stage at the Providence Performing Arts Center, the hour long 12 News debate showed clear differences on issues from cost of living, abortion to foreign policy. A political roundtable breaking down what you need to know from our congressional debate this week on Newsmakers. And welcome to Newsmakers. I'm Tim White alongside 12 News Politics Editor Ted Nisi. And for this roundtable, we are joined once again two weeks in a row. Very <laughs> yeah, exciting. Yeah. Joe Fleming, 12 News political analyst, and Lisa Pelosi, a political strategist. She worked for uh, Republican Governor Lincoln Almond. It's good to have you all back once again. Another one in the books, Ted. That's right. The second congressional right. district live from PPAC. Uh, let's go around the table, Joe. I'll start with you. Um, who had the upper hand in this one, you think? Well, first of all, it was an excellent debate. Both candidates were on message. Both candidates talked about what they wanted to talk about. And how so, were the moderators? <laughs> As usual, outstanding, outstanding. But I don't think either candidate had the big advantage. I think they both got their points across in this debate, which they wanted. I think Seth Magazine wanted to get his Democratic base back. He has to increase that. He pushed that. Alan Fung wanted to talk about being more of a moderate, more of an independent, and also talking about the cost of living and how that affects Rhode Islanders and what he's going to try to do to help with the cost of living. So they each cut their points across. Well, if I were in debate mode, I'd say you didn't answer the question, Mr. Fleming, uh, me, who had me, the upper hand. I don't think either one had the upper hand because right. they both got across what they wanted to get across. All right, Elisa? I think they went into the debate. No, we knew that Alan Fung was ahead in the polls. Right. So he was able to take a little bit of a higher road. I think we saw more punch, counter punches with Seth Magazine. For this sure. time. Yes. But it's one of those debates, and you've said this before too, if you already know who you're supporting, more than likely that right. performance affirmed, I'm with Alan, I'm with Seth. Yep. So it comes down to the undecided. And I'm trying to understand, and I've watched the debate twice now to try to understand. You poor thing. <laughs> to try to see you know, how the undecideds moved after watching that. Yeah. And well, I'm sure we'll get into the issues. We so. will, and we'll find out how they moved uh, come November 8th. Ted? Yeah, I had the same thought. I think both candidates, but you also could tell both camps seemed pretty happy with the debate afterwards. They felt like they'd gotten their message across. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for Alan Fung, they didn't feel like he made any significant mistakes to hurt his lead. Seth Magaziner, uh, you know, got across, I'm the Democrat, I'm the Democrat, tried to paint Alan Fung uh, as, a, as a Republican Republican, not whatever kind of Republican he's saying is uh, to the voters here. But I do wonder, you know, they often say tie goes to the person who's ahead, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, are, does it uh, does it help Alan Fung if it was sort of a neutral result to the debate because he had his lead and he'll, he can continue from there? I think one of the sections that stood out, and we're going to play it uh, here throughout this program, we're going to play sections from uh, the, the debate, which you can watch entirely on WPRI.com if you miss it or if you want to watch it for a third time, <laughs> uh, like some people. But it, as you said, Seth Magaziner was trying to remind uh, the voters that I'm the Democrat, I'm right. the Democrat, and mm -hmm. I'm sure they were chomping at the bit to get to the section on abortion, which is uh, the question that you asked, Ted, uh, during the debate. And when it was Fung's turn, he took that opportunity to look directly into the camera, not at the moderators, to speak directly to voters about uh, abortion. Here's some of that back and forth. I do not and never said, nor will I ever support a national abortion ban or criminalize it. 
And that is where I am, you know, uh, stand on this position. I do, you know, believe that a woman needs that ability to make that deeply personal decision about getting access to an abortion. There is a clear difference between me and Alan Fung on the issue of abortion. I trust women to make the choice of whether or when to have children. He thinks that it should be up to politicians and judges. Whether it's at the federal level or the state level doesn't matter. It should be up to women, not up to politicians and judges. And looks at, let's look at the record here. Three years ago in Rhode Island, we passed a law to codify the protections of Roe v. Wade here in Rhode Island. I testified for that bill. I fought for it. I lobbied for it. Alan Fung was against it. Because that law went beyond Roe. They did more. And at the federal level, I could be supportive of that bill, that bipartisan bill, with Senator Collins, Senator Murkowski, and Senator Kane. So that's wrong, Very, by the way. 15 not, seconds. No, no, so that's wrong. The bill that we passed in Rhode Island three years ago to protect Rhode Island women did not go beyond Roe versus Wade. It codified it in state law. That is, that is a false talking point that anti-abortion extremists have been propagating for the last three years, but it's not true. So look, if abortion is your main issue going into the polls, and it was you know, on, on election day, in, in our poll it was a number two issue, a distant second right. to cost of living, of course, you, you pretty much know who you're going to vote for in this election. But this, it seems to me this is a tough um, area for the magaziner camp to hang their hat on because he's not the traditional Republican that you see elsewhere in the country. Yeah, I think the magaziner people have felt like they've been shadow boxing a bit with Alan Fung mm -hmm. on the issue of abortion because it is correct. He did oppose the uh, codification law in Rhode Island when he was a gubernatorial candidate a few years ago. But in the current race, Alan Fung is taking a, I, I would call it, I guess, a moderate pro-choice position. He says, and I will say, it, it's taken us as reporters a while to get this clarity from Alan Fung, but he now says he would support a bill at the federal level that uh, codifies Roe versus Wade in federal law. Now, Seth Magaziner says, A, well, first of all, you, you weren't clear about that for a long time. Why should we trust you? And B, you're still voting for anti-abortion leadership in the House of Representatives. But again, it's different from if Alan Fung was a you know militantly pro-life candidate um, like some Republicans we see in other states. And I think that's why, for all the emphasis we're seeing in this in the Magaziner campaign, they are having trouble seemingly getting a knockout blow on Alan Fung because he just looked in the camera and said he opposes what they're saying he supports. Right. I mean, but they're leaning so much into it, the magazine. They're, they're leaning so much, but again, they're still behind by six or eight points in the recent polls that have come out. So obviously, it's not enough to put Magazina over the top. And now you got Alan Fung on TV saying, I would not support a national abortion ban. It, people, you know, don't dig into the weeds in all these questions. They'll hear Alan Fung saying, I don't support it. Magazina saying he's pro-life. You know, and people want to look at both answers. It's not going to help Magazina that much at this point. You know, the vast majority of Rhode Islanders and people, I think, throughout the country are okay with some restrictions on abortion. And what we found from that debate is both of them said that they were in favor of some restrictions because- They're in we, favor of Roe. Roe, Roe, because yeah. you try to the point, point them on this. Yeah. But we have to know from day one, when Seth Magaziner announced that he was running for Congress, his first thing he said that why he was doing it is to keep a Democrat in the seat. So he's doing the Democrat playbook, and the playbook is not working. The national playbook is not working against Alan Fung. When you asked him about gay marriage, he's in favor of it. So you know, he's not being portrayed as that extreme MAGA Republican that the national playbook is trying to put Republicans in. But isn't it less about Alan Fung 
than it is about the other person whose name probably came up in the debate more than Magaziner, more Kevin than Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> because Magaziner kept saying his name over and over and over. Well, the, the, in the end, I mean, we've we've we all saw this movie before in 2006 in Rhode Island, where Sheldon Whitehouse ran against George W. Bush and Mitch McConnell, not Lincoln Chafee, and defeated yeah. Lincoln Chafee because he was a vote for Mitch McConnell and George W. Bush to control the Senate. You, of course, do see the Magaziner and people in the Democrats talking about that sometimes, but then they frequently pivot back to trying to paint Fung himself as being fully aligned with Kevin McCarthy and company. And again, that's where it feels like it gets muddy because he has taken different positions. We on should some of say, these just issues. so people, in case people don't know, Kevin McCarthy is the House Minority Leader and likely the Speaker if the Republicans yeah. take that. And, and look, the, the Magaziner people, I should say, as a political reporter, have a point. The House of Representatives is a very top-down institution, For sure. and I, it is probably true that your most important vote, unless something is like going to pass or fail by one vote, is for the leadership, even more than in the Senate, where one senator can block bills and things. In the House, it's more like Parliament in the UK, where deciding who's in charge makes a big difference. But I don't know how much the average voter thinks that way. It wouldn't be a newsmaker's without Ted Nisi making a UK <laughs> well, reference, especially this week. I hope, I hope we're going to get to Liz Truss at some point, Tim, because wow. <laughs> we won't be. Uh, before we get real quick, um, if you have any thoughts on this, I do want to get to more of the debate. But as always, we keep talking. Um, and I have more questions for you guys. But uh, any thought, Joe, on why it doesn't seem like the beating the McCarthy drum, it, it, it just doesn't seem to be working too much for the magazine? I don't know how strong they beat the McCarthy drum. They really? They say it. But I think they need to do it more. Have they you watched say, television Yes, lately? I have. But the point I'm trying to make is simply... Alan, you're going to talk about Alan Fung will be the Republican vote that'll get McCarthy and the extreme Republicans in charge who could put these abortion things in. While Fung may be more moderate, but the Republicans are not, and they will push abortion bans. And by putting McCarthy in there, you're going to do that. I think that's the message they want to get across, but I don't know what they have. All right, so a sticky moment in the debate for uh, Alan Fung was the very tail end of rapid fire where we allowed them to go a little bit longer than the one or two word answers that we're generally looking for, and it doesn't always go our way on that <laughs> one. But this was, we asked each candidate if they support or oppose a ban on what's been called assault-style rifles or AR-15s. Here's some of that exchange. I don't think that weapons of war belong on our streets or in our schools. My record on this is clear. I have fought for common sense gun safety laws here in Rhode Island and we've gotten some passed. Alan has been against every single one of them, not just the assault weapons ban, but the red flag law to protect victims of domestic violence from abusers when they are at risk. He is extreme on this issue and not in line with Rhode Island. All right, let's fold in Mr. Fung. The uh, original question, I'll obviously let you respond yeah. to that, but the original Absolutely. question to remind people is, I've, would you I, support, let me just yeah, reframe it again, would you support or oppose a federal ban on what have been called assault-style rifles like the AR-15? And let me just get back to, you know, responding to Seth first. My record in Cranston has been about safety, making sure that our kids are safe in the schools by providing school resource officers to them, making sure that we provided funds for additional details to keep our kids safe. But let's get back to, you know, that question, mm -hmm. because I always support making sure that criminals and those with serious mental health issues don't get access to firearms. That's the real issue. And I've always been about balance, not what he says about extremism. But as a U.S. Hand. rep, a bill will come to your desk. You're going to have to decide if you're going to vote it up or you're going to vote it down. Would you vote up or down? And on like a I said, I, you know, I would support any legislation that gets firearms out of the hands of criminals as well as those with serious mental health issues, but not take away the rights of law-abiding citizens who are responsible firearm owners. 
So I don't want to put words in your mouth. You would any type of, you, any you, would, type of. you would oppose this bill, correct? Am I hearing that right? What I'm saying is I, it's a balance, Tim. It's about whether or not you have you know, to vote on for a criminal. Yes. And each bill I will take a serious look at. You know, obviously some fence straddling uh, <laughs> on that answer. And no matter how you feel about the AR-50 or gun control issue, uh, which is always a hot button one, I think voters writ large don't like it when you're straddling the fence. No, he tap dances way around that answer the whole time. And the AR-15 assault weapons polling that I've seen shows people support banning that greatly because it's not taking guns away. It's just that one assault weapon you're talking about taking away. And Alan Fung tap danced around that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Magazine campaign comes back and really tries to use that against him in the next couple of weeks. You think Lisa at all on his mind was, well, CD2, you know, a lot more rural areas maybe might embrace or, or embraces the Second Amendment more, and yes. that was in the back of his head. Yes, and I think we saw this when he ran for governor, too. The gun issue came up, yeah, too. You're right. you know, so here it is again. We have to know that if the House does go Republican, there's no way a bill to ban, <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. It's, the lead yeah. sponsor is actually David Cicilline. Uh, right. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yeah. and you think that bill's going to come before Probably the not. House? Not, no. not with Speaker <laughs> Kevin McCarthy, no. No. <laughs> but, Go ahead. Say, but the thing is, Allen needs to keep those independent voters. Mm -hmm. And by tap dancing, he may not keep them. I mean, if he said he, if he came out one way or the other, let's say he came out for the banning of the assault weapons, those people in CD2 are more conservative. They're not going to leave him. I think they're still going to vote for him. I don't think it would cost him votes. Well, the fear would be staying home. And I will say, you know, I've always heard from Republican operatives in Rhode Island that, you know, with abortion, they say, yes. Is it the motivating decision for, you know, 80% of voters? No. But it can be a very powerful one for a chunk of voters who will blank their ballot if they feel like you're not with them. And I think there's a similar fear that the people who are passionate about the Second Amendment um, will say, if you're a squish on this issue, we, we might not. Uh, cast our ballot for you even though we need you. Not that they'd go to Magaziner. Right. They just might not be strong for Alan Fung anymore if they hear something they don't like. There's some Republicans in our state are truly purists. You have to be absolutely with them and if you're not 100% across the board they move away from you. The Democrats seem to be more of the welcome the bigger right. ten yeah. but not the Republicans. But would that happen this time around though knowing what's at stake in Rhode Island could affect the well, balance? I, of I, I was just going to say Tim yeah. I will yeah. say I've, I've, I've been around political report a long time now. It is interesting what winning does to a party because <laughs> Uh, Alan Fung would take brickbats from everybody when he was running for governor and was losing to Gina Raimondo and he should be doing this. People would, their endorsements, they'd give bad quotes about him. Boy, every Republican will come out and support him and defend him on Twitter all the time right now because I think there's excitement yeah. about the somewhat beleaguered Rhode Island Republican Party doing something nobody in the country thought they would do, which is take a seat in New England this November. So I think that's helping Alan Fung too. And you see there, he's trying, to, it's party management. He's trying not to anger an important constituency within the party. Uh, but the question is, is that offset by maybe some independence? Right. You know, we've seen among suburban women, the gun issue can be very big, who say, well, wait a minute, I thought you were a moderate. Why aren't you for banning assault weapons? That's the balance. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you just said something that uh, I want to ask you about, Joe, before we, yep. I know we have to go to a break here. So briefly, uh, you know, he talked about when Alan Fung was running against Governor Gina Raimondo. Yep. Um, the Magaziner campaign has been leaning heavily into the Alan Fung is extreme, Alan Fung is extreme, right. Kevin McCarthy. Do you think it would benefit the Magaziner campaign in any way to explore more of the Raimondo playbook, which is looking at Fung's record in Cranston? I think it would, especially with the problems Cranston's having right now. They're showing a deficit, and, you know, Ken Hopkins has only been mayor less than two years. So, obviously, some of that deficit 
my guess would have come from the uh, Fung administration. So I would have looked into that, and I would have talked about Cranston Well, you Mall. brought it up in the debate. That was one of your questions. Yeah. I was yeah. actually a little surprised, because I thought Alan Fung would have a crisper defense of it, and his answer, as I heard it that night, I haven't watched that part of the tape back yet, was basically, I did a good job then, I can't speak to anything that's happened since. Um, I thought that was the best way for him to answer it, you know, because why criticize the um, incumbent mayor of Cranston, who's a Republican? His ally, Ken Hopkins, yeah. Right, you know, why do that? I mean, he could tick off a lot of things. Spending went up in Cranston under this new mayor. They lost the money under the distressed communities. The COVID money that came in that didn't cover, well, covered certain things, but there was a structural deficit. So why why not just bring it back to, let me talk, you know, what I did as mayor in Cranston. So I thought that was a good way to do the answer. that's what Magazina missed. I think you could have went after Alan Fung on that yeah. and forced Alan Fung to say other things about Cranston and what happened, make him defend himself, which you didn't have to do because Magazina didn't really come back on that. And then there was this awkward moment, too. I thought, you know, Alan's saying about all the police unions that supported him. Yeah. And then um, Seth is, me too. Um, I had the former colonel of the, you know, Anna <laughs> who yeah. probably was the shortest tenure, right, of superintendent. <laughs> Without question. Yeah, yeah. to yeah. do that. So. All right. We are <laughs> long overdue to go to a break. So when we come back, uh, Jim Langevin is getting annoyed about something. We'll talk about that. Stay with us. You're watching Newsmakers. Welcome back to Newsmakers. I'm Tim White alongside 12 News Politics Editor Ted Nisi. We're doing a political roundtable looking back at our debate on Tuesday night live from PPAC between the two leading candidates for uh, 2nd Congressional District, Republican Alan Fung and Democrat Seth Magaziner, joined by Joe Fleming, Lisa Pelosi. I do want to pivot, though, same race, but different topic. Uh, Ted, you met up with Congressman Jim Langevin this week, and they are irritated about a mailer that went out to residents in CD2. Yeah, Tim, sometimes you ask for an interview, sometimes you're told someone has something they want to say, and would you come down and where you're interested in an interview, and that was what happened here. I was, they called you. I got a call from Jim Langevin's spokesperson who said uh, he wants to speak out, he's frustrated with something in the race, and I was like, you know, you always take an interview with a member of Congress, so I went down and met up with him in Cranston, and he was frustrated that, uh, quotes, accurate quotes, he said, nice things about Alan Fung uh, are now being used by that outside Republican super PAC and a mailer going to voters. And I, uh, he, was, he was pretty frustrated about it. All right. Well, why don't we take a little bit of uh, uh, a listen from that interview Ted had with Congressman Langevin. I'm upset and disappointed that uh, Alan Fung and his buddies would put out a blatantly disingenuous mailer. I want the voters uh, of Rhode Island to know that, that, that someone's trying to pull their wool over their eyes. Langevin is Langevin is now uh, tiptoeing back. Well, I'm tiptoeing, but he's you know putting himself out there more in this race. Tells me that they're really worried about it. Yeah, I, the, the thing is, Jim Langevin is a very likable guy. He's never controversial, and his negatives are usually fairly low. So neither side wants to offend Jim Langevin because they want to get his votes. You know, and keep in mind, this was not an Alan Fung mailer. It was an independent expenditure mailer. So technically, Alan Fung had nothing to do with this mailer. So he's not going to go and criticize things on this. And the magazine people obviously are very upset about it. Do we expect more support from the Rhode Island delegation as we get closer to November 8th? Uh, oh, undoubtedly. I was on the phone with Jack Reed last Friday for my column, and he is very exercised about this race. I mean, this is his own old seat in the 2nd District. Oh, yeah. um, right. I think they're, they they know this is this is at risk, particularly Jack Reed and Sheldon Whitehouse. Um, David Sisley and Jim Langevin, of course, also involved. And I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, we're all watching to see, does Jack, Jack Reed cut an ad for Sheldon Whitehouse in 06? Jack Reed cut an ad for Gina Raimondo in 2014? 
both tough races. Is Jack Reed, who's it always has the best numbers among the various elected Democrats around, going to be on TV for Seth Magazine or soon? And and will that move the needle? You know, that that's one challenge I was thinking about yesterday as I talked to Jim Landrin. Alan Fung is both the nominee here and the strongest, best-known Republican in Rhode Island. He doesn't have this long list of other prominent Republicans to be a surrogate for him, necessarily. There are, of course, others supporting him, but not to the same degree, whereas Seth Magaziner has force multipliers in Jack Reed, Sheldon Whitehouse, David Cicilline, Gina Armando, you know, all these people who are Democrats. So that's that's one of the challenges we don't talk about as much with Alan Funk. He's kind of got to be his own band because he's also the most prominent Republican. He had a good endorsement from uh, Republican Governor Charlie Baker recently. He did, but Charlie Baker, says it, but Charlie Baker hasn't come down yet and yeah. isn't in the state every day. That's one of the things I'm watching. Will Charlie Baker come down and do something in person? Raising money is helpful, but doing it behind closed doors in Boston is one thing. Coming to Cranston and Warwick a week or two out, which I could see Charlie Baker doing, because he's not supporting Jeff Deal, um, his own potential right, successor. Right, right. Um, so I he's got time on his hands. He's got time. Yeah, exactly. Charlie's a free agent, I've been saying. So, yeah. Well, people are already voting right, right now, Joe. I mean, early voting started this week, what, October 19th, I yep. believe, early voting started. W what do we know about the numbers on mail ballots and early voting? Well, Mail ballots right now looks about 35,000 mail ballots. And Tim, I went into the mail ballots to see where, they come, where they're coming from and who's voting. 65% of the mail ballots are Democrats at this point, 9% Republicans, and the final 26% are independent voters. We saw this two years ago in 2020. Democrats overwhelmingly won the mail ballots. Mac Jim Langevin was very close on the machines, but he won overwhelmingly the mail ballots or early voting. Early voting, we've only had two days of it. There's a little over 5,000 people. And again there, 52% of the early voters are Democrats, 16% are Republicans. The rest are independents. So it looks like on election night, we're going to have to keep an eye on the mail ballots and the early voting, because when those numbers come in, it could turn the race around, as we saw in the Democratic primary. Just going to say that. That was, that was right. the drama from that night. Yes. What are you looking for in terms of turnout? Yeah. Um, I I, well, I think it's going to be a little lower in Providence because we saw the mayoral race already wrapped up, so we want to have that heavy turnout in, in our capital city. I'm um, looking at that CD2 race. Is Allen and Republicans and National Republicans really going to put a lot of money in getting out the vote in CD2? And if we see that happening, will that impact the governor's race, too, with the Republican you know, trying to run strong against McKee right now? Mm -hmm. uh, Ted, we've seen uh, one thing I'm watching right now is, look, this Washington. Inflation is very high. Um, if it's a wonder the Democrats aren't in worse shape at the moment in the public polling. But we've seen, I remember in 2014, Gina Raimondo has said she had quite a lead coming out of the primary and it evaporated, which was mistakes her own campaign made, but also the environment got worse and worse for Democrats heading to election day. I remember Mark Warner, the senator from Virginia, wasn't supposed to have a big race that year and then squeaked through with like two or three points. Or last year in New Jersey, the governor of New Jersey, a Democrat, was supposed to win easily, only won by a couple of points. So that's one of the things I'm wondering. How accurate is the polling? And are we going to see kind of the bottom fallout for Democrats in these final weeks as we see more bad inflation numbers and, you know, the president's numbers are only so-so and, and the abortion issue has faded a bit? Not predicting that, but it, it is something I'm watching because things can shift at the end as people tune in. But also, as Lisa mentioned, Providence is concerned about turnout. Other areas in CD1 that are heavily Democrat, there's no mayor races, there's no rep races, no Senate races. I mean, Pawtucket, Central Falls, Woonsocket. Uh, North Providence, there's no races there. The turnout could be lower. We, that could make the governor's race closer. I was just going to say, don't vote. no impact on Fung v. Magaziner, no, but, but that could be problematic for, for the Absolutely. incumbent Democratic governor, Dan McKee.
All right. Um, well, we want to do just one quick thing. I think we have time. Let's qu play some quick sound, uh, last piece of sound from the debate. And it seemed like Fung took some personal umbrage at a moment <laughs> when in the debate when it came to campaign advertising. Take a listen. I have spent my whole career fighting for working people in this state. He has spent his career siding with the deep-pocketed donors who fund his campaigns, including his dumb campaign commercials, and every single time there's been a big issue in Rhode Island that impacts working people, he has taken the side of the corporate interests that fund him, not the side of Rhode Island workers. Well, Mr. I'll let you respond to the criticism, but I'll say, do you, do you stand by the, the way they're criticizing Seth Magaziner in, the, in their Republican super PAC ads that are supporting you? I don't coordinate with super PACs. My ads but at State Park. you've seen the ads. You know what I they're know, saying. Ted, but I don't coordinate with super PACs. Whatever their messaging is their messaging. I've always stayed positive talking about who I am, reminding them. And quite frankly, you know, I don't appreciate the, you know, quote that they're dumb ads because, you know what, it's who I am. I'm a lighthearted person. I can laugh at myself, and I want to remind people about the great work we did in Cranston, taking a city that was on the brink of financial you know, distress, turning it around by you know, working together and bringing common sense solutions to make it one of the best cities to live in America. So, Lisa, since you watched the debate, since you watched the debate 37 times, apparently, um, <laughs> uh, that, that moment, I actually thought, uh, when Magaziner was calling them the dumb ads, yes. I thought he was referring to the independent expenditure ads, That's the ones where too. the Seth was, you know, With the martini the glass. The martini right. Yes, yes, the wealthy, wealthy ads. And then it, Alan took it personally. It, you know, right. He did. But what this has allowed him to do with all that outside money coming in and being negative, his ads can take that really nice, fun Rhode mm -hmm. Island connection, awful, yep. awful, Twin <laughs> Oaks, you know, really yeah. connecting. And Alan did that a couple times during the debate, too. He really connected with the um, audience by saying, my mom's in the audience, my sister's in the, in the audience. Really, saw, you know, We saw a human side of him that I didn't really see come out of Seth Magaziner. If anybody nationally is watching this, they probably wonder what the heck an awful, awful is. <laughs> that is a true Rhode Island reference. Okay, 30 seconds left, Ted. We've got two more debates, I believe, but the next one is a week from today. Yep. We are going over the border. Well, we're staying here, but it is a race in Massachusetts, a Bristol County Sheriff's race. Big outside money pouring in all of a sudden yes. against Sheriff Thomas Hodgson, too, in that race. So it's, it's getting a lot of attention nationally. So make sure you tune in, as always, to Newsmakers. But next week, another debate. Joe Fleming, Lisa Pelosi, Ted Nisi, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week on Newsmakers.